Hey everyone, and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Got a fun little bonus episode for you today. My friend Carolyn, who you may remember as the huge Hulk fan in the episode that we did on Thor Ragnarok, she joined me for a conversation about the Infinity Stones and specifically the colors of the Infinity Stones using her lens as an art historian and someone who has done a lot of reading and researching about color. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And as always, you can find us at anidea underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the episode. Today, I'm joined by Carolyn Keough, who you may remember as one half of the dynamic duo I spoke with on the Thor Ragnarok episode of the podcast. And today, we're going to talk about the Infinity Stones. Carolyn, welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Now, when we did our Ragnarok episode, you shared your general relationship to the MCU. And today, I was hoping maybe you could tell us a little bit about your relationship with color. When I heard that you would be asking me this question, it was it's so difficult to think about because color is so it's so all-encompassing and also so subjective, which I think is something that comes through when you're thinking about the Infinity Stones, but I won't jump ahead to that. I'll talk about myself. And I think for me as, you know, as an art historian and someone whose profession and life centers around the visual, it's like you can't avoid it. It is mm-hmm. everything. Personally, I feel like I de- I develop very specific relationships with specific colors over periods of time, yet I only wear black. <laughs> <laughs> so I have an interesting relationship with color where I become very fixated on certain ones. Um, needless to say, I think my relationship with color is all-encompassing. Kind of, kind of like black itself, right? Isn't black the one that encompasses all others? Yes. Depends on what, whether you're talking about pigment or light, um, right? Okay. Yeah. See, see, I don't know. And, and that's why I'm coming to you today as someone who both has a background in art and art history and also as someone who is always ready with some hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank Serving you. them up. Um, <laughs> so the Infinity Stones, they represent the six singularities that have existed since before creation itself, they are integral to the the webbing that connects the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, some might say that they are the, the MacGuffins to end all MacGuffins. And, and as far as I know, none of the creatives involved in the MCU have discussed the rationale behind the colors, uh, nor why they are different in the movies than they are in the comics. And in the, even in the comics, they are different depending on which comic universe you're in. So all of that being said, knowing that there's kind of no right answer here, um, why do you think the Infinity Stones are the colors that they are in the MCU? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, okay, so it's so interesting. When you first posed this question to me, I immediately had some initial thoughts on which colors I think align themselves with which stones best. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in thinking more about it and in doing, you know, I I was thinking about kind of the art historical analysis that you can do with regards to color. And it is so subjective. And Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I kept coming back to is, um, you know, you can think about these colors and their relationships and align them with color theory, align them with different cultural understandings of the colors themselves. But at the end of the day, I think the more I kind of was doing research and digging into each one, the more I 
found almost found justifications for what I had originally disagreed with. Oh, so interesting. Which I think, okay. which I think lends itself to how how omnipresent, how subjective, and how um, fluent color is. Right. I mean, I think when oftentimes when you think about you know, green or blue or any of the colors for that matter. There are these cultural associations to them, but it really depends on your positionality and from which vantage point you're considering that color. Anyway, so that is all to say, I don't know why they chose which (laughs) colors, but I think that there are some interesting affiliations and concepts that you can kind of unpack from each one. I guess first to to the palette itself of the six, you have your 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 rainbow essentially, right? You don't have, but there's seven. But we get we have six here. So what's missing, I guess, is the well the indigo and violet, right? Instead we have a purple, right? So I think the palette itself is very nice, right? Because you get your three primary colors, and then the orange, purple, and green are secondary, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's nice. Like that's to me is feels right to have those six. But looking at some of them individually, it doesn't feel right to me. And again, I agree. I, so why is that? Well, okay. So let's can I, can we start off with one big question for me, which is the soul stone. Yes. Which I think is a such a. So I was talking to my brother, who's a big Marvel MCU comic person. And I was like, tell me more about this soul stone. And there was a full minute of silence. And he was like, there's just, what can I even say? And it's interesting because I feel like when you're thinking about this kind of, you know, if you're thinking about this stone that's supposed to like hold the souls of all creation, like orange, (laughs) really a secondary color. I think when you're thinking about this kind of primary versus secondary, the, the ones that are secondary, I think, I don't know. I'm surprised that they're aligned with the stones that they're aligned with. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was one that I think was very questionable. Like the afterlife, I think so often we think of the afterlife, at least in a, in a kind of Western Judeo Christian lens as like these heavenly blues Mm -hmm. and um, orange, I don't think is one that falls in line there. From that vantage point, right, though? And that's the thing that I kept coming back to when tackling this topic, which is if you're thinking about like a visual analysis of color, you have to be thinking about the context so much. Right. Is there something that orange means culturally that I don't even know? So, yeah, I mean, something that that did come up is, so I mentioned that my brother years ago was, was really into chakras and was telling me a little mm. bit about... Um, how they're aligned and the the root chakra, which is like the pelvis. This is not art history at all. So this is like an <laughs> interdisciplinary moment. That's great. Um, but the root chakra is orange. I oh, okay. And so that's interesting thinking about like the soul. Sure. I don't know. That's yeah. certainly a connection and, and mm-hmm. one I mm-hmm. wouldn't have thought of because that orange is very grating to me. I don't know why, but to me, if I think soul, I think purple, which I don't mm. even know really why I'm saying that because if we if we shift to the power stone, the power mm-hmm. stone is the purple one, and that makes a lot of sense. Does it? I think it makes sense because <laughs> of power and royalty. What do you think? Oh, that's in- oh, that's so interesting. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Thinking about that's funny. I didn't think about that at all. I was thinking so much about kind of a palette, like an emotional palette, mm. and I think when I think of it from that viewpoint. 
purple doesn't register in that way. Um, just for context, I think I should have probably mentioned this in my intro, but also, so as someone who I think, who in my previous life, I worked at the Guggenheim Museum. And <laughs> in your previous life. <laughs> in my previous life. <laughs> in my previous time. And they have a large predominant collection of Kandinsky. Kandinsky is mm. one of the most important artists that helped, you know, in the collection that helped found, found the museum. He didn't, but like the collection was, the collection of non-objective painting was why the Guggenheim Museum exists. And so I think I often am thinking about his color theory. And I think that that's totally tainted my own um, interaction with color. And so for him, Violet is like, so he had synesthesia. Okay. And which means that he could see colors when he heard sounds and vice versa. So his paintings were often done when he was listening to music. Um, and for him, he has these very, he wrote this color theory book, this text on on color and his ideas around color. And I think for him, like he even outlined what shapes are associated with each color and what sound. Wow. And for him, violet was morbid, extinguished, and sounds like an English horn, which I just think, wow. I feel like I was kind of taking that in when I was thinking about um, purple as power. Yeah. I just think, yeah, I don't know. That's fascinating. I've never heard that before. And mm -hmm. I, I think you're right, too. Like, once you read something like that, like, it's... Mm -hmm. You you said tainted, but I guess that has that word has more of a negative connotation. But like it, it would certainly influence, yeah, how you're yeah. going to interact with that in the future because that's very powerful. That's strong stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, so there's soul orange power purple. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to kind of just go through them? We could. Do you have? I mean, are there any of the others that you have anything <laughs> particular to say? Yes. Okay. Blue, blue, the space tone. Mm. Very disappointing to me. I think that the Purple, I think, aligns itself more with the space stone mm. and this idea of teleporting. I don't know, but for me, blue, I think, is one that's so tied to human civilization. And I think blue is very potent in that way. Yeah, I think from like a religious standpoint, it's really laden with religious symbolism. And I think in early, early, early um, civilizations, like it was more, lapis lazuli was more prized than gold and mm -hmm. so i think when i think of blue i think of kind of this culmination of like civilization intellect human existence and so for me space stone is i don't know i don't think that that's the right huh. alignment but that also could very much be because of my own subjective feelings about blue of course and I feel right. like that's what i keep coming back to right <laughs> which is like there is such a personal in in relationship with these colors. But blue, definitely, I think there's a quote <laughs> by Eve Klein that I'll share with you. Wonderful. Which then made me think maybe I'm wrong about <laughs> blue. <laughs> I'm sorry that this is like no answers. It's just a winding it's fantastic. Um, analysis. But Eve Klein, so Eve Klein worked with a pigment company to actually trademark a very specific tone of like a high pigment, highly pigmented cobalt blue called Eve Klein blue. Hmm. One of his art pieces was he covered women in it, naked women in this color and then had them roll across a canvas. And it was like a, uh, a okay. performance piece. But he also would do these monochromatic canvases and monochromatic paintings in the color. And he said about blue that blue has no dimensions. It is beyond dimensions. Oh, that sounds spacey. 
Right. (laughs) Then I was like, oh, interesting. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about blue as this kind of marker of civilization. Even the fact that artists, I think, like Klein, have, you know, had this relationship and this pursuit and this investigation or interrogation of blue, I think, makes me think that it should be the Mind Stone. But it's very human. It's very human. Mm, very you know, you tied look to at Earth. the sky. Yeah. You look at the sky and 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 see it as blue. And I think in I think that, you know, there has been some studies that like humans didn't see blue until a certain period in evolution. So that is also something that I that I take into consideration. But I think it's all up for debate. Of course. Absolutely. Of course it is. (laughs) You know, and on a on a much uh, on a different level, my own students in our humanities class, Kat and I, we have the students do a little bit of an exercise around color um, when we teach about tone. And um, we have the students take a take a category of of tone, mm-hmm. um, calm, reverence, mm-hmm. love, anger, whatever it may be. We have them kind of associate a general color with it, and and where everything they're drawing from, which is really interesting. And then we have them look at adjectives within that category and put them on a paint chip, right, of like mo- least to most intense mm-hmm. of the color as a way of visualizing least to most intense of what that tone would be, mm-hmm. you know, miffed versus enraged or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very fun. And of course, again, also, you know, we, we have them do very surface level research into some of the cultural connotations. Mm-hmm of these colors and and it always blows their mind a little bit to be like oh whoa well i think of this color like this and you think of it like that so what we're saying here today is that even as you um study this or do things related to this for a living those questions and those moments of like whoa this is something an angle i haven't thought of it from before Mm -hmm. still don't really go away (laughs) yeah and i think i think that it is because I think it, especially with color, I think it is something that is so like omnipresent, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, I think that there are, it's, it's so heavily laden with connotations, cultural, religious, symbolic, spiritual, and otherwise, but by that same token, it's also everywhere. Right. So, so even thinking about, um, you know, this, I am very interested in like artists who do monochromes. Like I love a monochrome painting. I love like white on white by Kazimierz Malevich. And like, why do, why does that interest me? And I think it's because it's like taking out one color and one experience of being and putting it in one specific place. I don't know where I was going with this. I do think that's really interesting because we take in so much of what we take in regarding color, oftentimes very subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are other times where we're forced to think about it a little bit more. And of course, I mean, the other thing we haven't acknowledged, like, do we all see color the same way? Like, probably not. And also, right. you know, various levels of color blindness and things like that besides. Right. right. Yeah, it's so it's so experiential. And I think that's what makes it so powerful, but also what makes it so difficult to define mm-hmm. and difficult to categorize, um, which is why this task of like <laughs> examining these stones. I mean, if we were just to pull out their to, not talking about color at all, if we're just to pull out kind of their um, power or their symbolism, you know, like space, mind, reality, like those are huge concepts in and of themselves. And Mm -hmm. then I think when you pair them with a color, which also has this intense emotional cultural resonance, like 
each one I think could be a thesis, <laughs> right? Like space and blue. I think that's a whole, that is a whole examination, mind and yellow, you know, I could go on and on and on, but I think that yeah, it just I think that this question is so interesting. But I, I mind and yellow is interesting to me too. Mm-hmm. My first take on that was oh, kind of like the idea of like um enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Like light bulb going mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which I maybe very basic, but this conversation is really highlighting to me how my own experience with color is so defined by my experience with art. Mm. And I know that that's like why I'm talking about this topic. Yeah. But so in my head, the first thing that I think of is like, I'm thinking about the materiality of yellow mm-hmm. and like the Egyptians would use Jasper in some of their um, sculptures. And there's like this one piece at the Met that I think of all the time. And it's a, a yellow Jasper face of a queen, mm. you know? So it's just interesting that even within my own, yeah, I think I didn't think of the light bulb at all. I think so heavily in terms of like, museums and art <laughs> right. the wall and like the artists yeah. and and mentality about color so that's just really that's been enlightening for me. and as as your perspective is enlightening for me because i that's not a way that i tend to think of it and again you know while there may not have been intentionality behind mm-hmm. or this level of intentionality behind the decisions made in the movie i think it is uh it does speak to something that people have reactions to it and like wait mm-hmm. why is this this color or i would have mm-hmm. done something different when we were talking about purple and being the power stone there's a quote that i found that i, I thought was so interesting so the the impressionists when they first started they were very interested in purple as a pigment for painting, partially because there's this pigment called mag- manganese violet that was just mm. recently tubed, like it had been put in a tube. So the artist would no longer have to mix red and oh. blue to make purple or violet. And it became a total craze. And it was actually called violetomania, which I think is so <laughs> interesting. But in looking at all this, I came across this quote by Monet. And he said that I have finally discovered the true color of the atmosphere in reference to violet. And so I I just thought that that was interesting thinking about what we were saying with purple being the power stone. I think that his quote supports my idea that it should be the, maybe the space stone or I don't know, maybe there can be some fluctuations there. Yeah. Really cool. I have so many quotes. One of my most favorite, have you ever read Maggie Nelson's Bluettes? Oh, Maggie Nelson sounds really familiar because we have talked about her together and Argonauts, right? Yes. Okay. So she wrote this very small book of aphorisms all about the color blue. And Mm. so she did this kind of like, um, it's basically like this memoiristic examination of all the places where she was seeing blue again and again, and then blue's relationship with artists and thinkers and writers over time, whatever. But um, there's this one quote about, so Goethe wrote Theory of Colors, which is a text all about color, da, da, da. And so, so then, then she talks about Wittgenstein, who also wrote a text on oh, color. She's like, mm-hmm. artists and writers, I think, for millennia have just been thinking about color. And in his um, book, he wrote about he wrote this during the last eighteen months of his life while dying of stomach cancer. And so she writes, he knew he was dying. He could have chosen to work on any philosophical problem under the sun. 
he chose to write about color, about color and pain. Much of this writing is urgent, opaque, and uncharacteristically boring. That which I am writing about so tediously may be obvious to some whose mind is less decrepit. So it's this idea of like color is everywhere and something that's so, can be so tedious, but at the same time can be something that has this emotional resonance, this philosophical resonance, spiritual resonance. So anyways, anything else that we should, I mean, should I talk about like the prism versus the wheel? Oh, I'm interested. Like the color wheel. Well, when I said primary and secondary colors Mm. earlier, was I talking about the color wheel? Color wheel. Okay. Yes. So primary color wheel is primary and then their secondary are next to. And prism refers to, so that's based, so the color wheel refers to pigment. So if you're talking okay. about creating a color in a, in a painting class, you're going to reference the color wheel to figure out how to make orange, to figure out what tone or shade of blue you want to make, whatever it may be. Okay. Prism of light, that's more related to how we actually see color, which is what's being reflected. And so when we're thinking about black versus white, I think before we talked about Mm. black as the summation of all colors, as the combination of all color, that refers to the color wheel, refers to pigment, refers to, you know, if you're in a painting class and you mix all the colors, you're going to end up with black. Sure. And then, but with the understanding of color through the light prism, it would be white if all colors, if everything's refracting. This is not my specialty, so this I don't know. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm no like white scientist, um, but then it will be white. Okay. The combination of all. And black would be the absence of all. Whereas when we're thinking of pigment, black mm-hmm. is the combination of all, and white would be the absence of any. Thank you for explaining that so clearly because I think I've I've gone through life like hearing both and not really realizing that both of those things are correct. It's just mm-hmm. depending on what you're actually talking about. Which goes back to what I've been saying, which is when you're <laughs> thinking of color, you really it's so there's so many different understandings of it. Mm-hmm. Depending, are you talking scientifically? Are you talking about physics? Are you talking about you know di- the the different you know waves of light and sound or even what would be so fascinating for another like course of study would be, you know, thinking about like microscopic germs and the colors that they, wow. you know, it's, it's, it's limitless. It's yeah. absolutely limitless. But anyway, <laughs> you'd think you asked me about Hulk. <laughs> Do you want to talk about why Hulk is green? <laughs> why is, don't you love that Hulk is green? Yeah. I think it makes sense. Yeah. Cause red would be too obvious. Yeah. And also, I think from what I know about the the history of comic books and superheroes, green and purple were always associated with villains, whereas red and blue were always associated with heroes. That I didn't know. Mm-hmm. What do you know? Why that is? My okay, I'm gonna take a guess that if we're thinking about like Superman, you know, Wonder Woman, Captain mm-hmm. America, these like mm-hmm. very red and blue heroes, that it's very American. It's nationalism. I I. Thinking so, especially I mean, thinking yeah. about Captain America's origins, right? Um, but why green and purple for for the villains? I don't really know. I mean, they're two secondary colors, I guess. They they go nicely together, right? Are they opposites on the wheel? You know how many years I've been staring at a color wheel in my <laughs> old office? You'd think that I would like have it. Have it. They are. They're not directly opposite, but they're across. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So um, I don't know. Well, you know what? It's so funny. I keep. I think so much about like 
the queering of villains, Mm. you know, like villains are so typically kind of fall outside of this spectrum. And so they're not primary, like just the fact that they're secondary colors is this kind of othering or this kind of like queerification. And I don't mean that, I don't mean queer as in gay, but queer as in like other and odd and strange. Mm -hmm. But then there also is this queerification of villains in a gay way. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, ca- capital yeah. Q queer, like capital Q. I don't know how to. Do yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Hulk. I mean, being green and then having like the purple shorts historically in the comics, right, is visually kind of indicating mm-hmm. that he's more villainous, which I guess is interesting. I don't know his long history in the comics, mm-hmm. but that that is interesting, um, given the fact that he. Um, I guess we know in Avengers world that he typically is on the side of the Avengers and he's one of our good guys, but I don't think that was always true in the comics. I'd have to look that up. I don't know. As a Hulk fan myself, I just can't help but think of him as, as great. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I know you love Hulk. So if I were to ask you, you know, gut reactions Understanding that this is difficult because you have done reading and you have done research and you can see it from so many different ways. But gut reactions, if I said, Carolyn, we have space, we have reality, we have power, mind, soul, and time. What's your go-to color? How would you do it if you were designing them for the MCU? What do you think you'd do? Okay. Space is purple. Mm-hmm. Mind is blue, as we've as we've gathered. Reality, I'm gonna go with green Hmm. power i'm gonna go with red which is very biased but red is my power color personally so okay and that leaves me with wait time what colors are left orange is definitely left and yellow i think (laughs) i can't (laughs) i can't remember which one i'm gonna do time orange and i'm gonna do soul yellow i'm just gonna make that switcheroo for myself I like to, you know, yeah. I like to think of my soul as yellow. I had my aura mm. photographed once. Oh, I remember. Yeah, it was or red and orange and yellow. Oh. Yeah. Like a sunset. Mm. Yeah. Are those sunset yeah. colors sunrise? Can be. Yeah. That red sky at night, sailors delight. Red <laughs> sky in morning, sailors take warning. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> but see, look at that. Yeah. Sailors making associations with color anyways sorry (laughs) this has spiraled into something i'm so sorry cut all of this out (laughs) um carolyn thank you for for sharing these insights before we wrap up is there anything else that you'd like to share any other quotes that you have about colors no (laughs) no i wait yes there is we were talking about kandinsky and he had a great quote about green which is part of the reason why I chose green for reality. Mm. And he said, green is like a fat, very healthy cow lying still and unmoving, only capable of chewing the cud, regarding the world with stupid, dull eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. He was very very, um, passionate about colors and their associations. And that's how he saw green. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah, I invite you to think more about, you know. I'd love to. I'd love to read more of what he said because Mm -hmm. it sounds like he's got – talking about hot takes. (laughs) Oh, he was a man with many hot takes. (laughs) Well, you know, he had this, like, physical experience of color, which I I can't even imagine 
living your life that way. Every time you see a, a like prominent hue, you hear this sound. Oh my God. Or vice versa, you know? Yeah. So incredible. Anyways. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. This was a blast. Yep. As always. <laughs>